Welcome to Inspired, a new six-part radio documentary series from Seeds of Peace. I'm one of your hosts, Bilal Qureshi. And I'm Marissa Mazria Katz. I'm a journalist working in New York City. And I'm a radio reporter and producer based in Washington, D.C. This series is inspired by Seeds of Peace. For more than 25 years, the organization has been bringing young people together from across lines of conflict. And cultivating new generations of global leaders. We are here, we are part of this America whose identity, I believe, is almost always changing. The political situation in Israel is the driving force behind all of my social work. For these audio documentaries, we've been traveling and meeting some of those people. From the schools of Lahore, Pakistan. These are the young people who are going to change the educational landscape of Pakistan and change it for the better. To the music studios of Jaffa, Israel. Art and music can serve a safe space for communication that's beyond Jewish or Arab, beyond whatever wall there is to be put. From the refugee camps in Palestine There's a kind of little light in such big darkness. To the south side of Chicago. It was more about wanting to show other people that they're capable of being better, doing better, and seeing better. We'll hear about their inspirational journeys and the ways they've inspired others. For the second episode in our series, Marissa, you're taking us to Israel. I am. And that journey starts now. So what you're hearing is the sound of a pride march and a gay rights protest in the conservative town of Rehovot near Tel Aviv. It's the first pride march ever in that city. And it was organized with the help of the woman I was there to meet, Abigail. So what, what are they singing? They're singing, we are here and everywhere. She's an alumni of Seeds of Peace. She's got dirty blonde locks that are often swept up in a loose bun. And she's always got her cell phone in her hand and this really disarming magnetic smile. Here's Avigail talking with a young man who runs Freedom House, which is a youth hostel open 24-7 for gay youth. They take care of literally homeless gay teenagers sexually just being on the street exposed to a lot of abuse in a very sensitive age so they're doing such important work. Avigal is a lawyer and a community organizer and a tireless advocate for those she feels are forgotten or overlooked by the state. There's a big ultra-orthodox and religious community in Rehovot. I hope we're not going to face any violence in this parade. So Bilal, I've been writing about Israel for many years. It's a diverse society with many clashing political points of view. Just to set the scene, Rehovot has an Orthodox Jewish mayor, okay? And and this is, it's also the city that Avigail calls home. And to the world, Israel promotes this idea of being very gay-friendly. Isn't Tel Aviv considered one of the gay capitals of the world? Yes, absolutely, it is. But Tel Aviv really is a kind of bubble. And there was something that happened a couple years ago that really challenged the way the country is perceived as this gay-friendly destination. That was when a a 16-year-old activist named Shira Banki was attacked while marching in Jerusalem's gay pride parade. Chaos and bloodshed in Jerusalem. A parade to celebrate gay pride quickly turned into a nightmare. Alone, ultra- I think it's really important to say here that Shira Banki's attacker was an ultra-Orthodox Jew. He stabbed her and five other marchers with a knife. 
and she died just three days after the stabbing. Here's Avigal talking about that. Ever since Shira Banki was murdered in the parade a few years ago, it was such an aggressive symbol to how far we are from where we'd want to be. I mean, I think none of us believed that it's that bad, that actually an ultra-Orthodox man would come and murder a child in a pride parade. There were a lot of people that were thinking about the murder of Shira while we walked, but they were also reeling from the news just the day before. What had happened exactly? Well, the government passed a bill that essentially excludes LGBT couples from state-supported surrogate pregnancies. And so you're arriving into Israel in this very moment. Yeah, it was, and it was an emotional moment for the community because nobody really expected the bill to pass. And there were a lot of same-sex couples, you know, that were holding hands and chanting for their right to become parents. And Avigail was right there with them. Marissa, I believe you were also in Israel at a time when the country passed another really controversial law related to minority rights. Is that right? Yes, uh, that's called the nation-state law. Bilal, what you're hearing here is the sound of thousands of Palestinian and Jewish citizens of Israel gathered in Tel Aviv's Rabin Square protesting this divisive law. And what was that exactly and why was it making so much news around the world? The nation-state law was really considered a tipping point in Israel. I went to meet journalist Ido Conrad to discuss it. Here's how he describes it. The Jewish nation-state law privileges one religion over others and privileges one group over the others uh, in a country where 20% of the population is not Jewish. And what's special about this law is that it is effectively a constitutional amendment. Um, And that's a pretty big seismic shift for this country. Uh, A lot of these laws on the books that were already discriminatory are now effectively constitutionally enshrined. And that's going to be much, much harder to change now. The law essentially cements second-class status for one in five Israeli citizens. And this is the kind of political climate that inspires Avigail's work both in her personal and in her professional capacity as a lawyer who represents all kinds of workers. Of course, you would expect that governments would take responsibility for the well-being of all members of Israeli society, but that's hardly the case. What I'm trying to do in the various things that I'm involved in is empower people who are being most negatively affected from this political climate to create independent structures for joint action. She is out in the field fighting for bus drivers, social workers, teachers, many of whom are in the process of unionizing in the workplace. She negotiates with employers, and she also reaches collective agreements. Marissa, how did Avigal come into doing this kind of work? I mean, organizing and mobilizing marginalized communities is something people often do as volunteer work as lawyers, but not, you know, in their full-time capacity. Bilal, a key formative experience for Avigail actually happened in the United States, in the state of Maine. That's the flag-raising ceremony for the Israeli delegation at the Seeds of Peace camp in the summer of 2018. 
Abigail went to the Seeds of Peace camp in the 90s from Israel. And while she was there, she learned to understand that there are connections beyond national identities. And she became really passionate about the idea of shared humanity. Something about the deep joy and uh, happiness that characterizes camp just brings young people together to a collective experience of hope, of communication, which is just unimaginable uh, in the areas of conflict that we come from. And it sounds very idealistic, but that is the kind of person she is. When I think of camp as opposed to what reality looks like in the Middle East, I think that there's something about camp that proves very simply that reality is just absurd, that it's uncalled for, that it's not necessary, that it can be different. Everyone returns from camp to their countries in hopes that they'll work to make their communities better and lead change. Camp infuses its participants with the deep belief that they can be leaders, that they can do big things in their life. And that's exactly what Avigail has done. After she came home from Seeds of Peace camp, she went to law school and became the kind of lawyer that focuses specifically on the most underprivileged workers in Israeli society, helping them organize in ways that put their grievances and concerns into tangible actionable forms. In a society of growing poverty, growing discrimination, in a society that's in an ongoing state of war, there is a very, very dramatic need for people to claim power over their lives, come together, and not wait for governments to solve the situation for them. Marissa, what Avigail is describing, what does this look like in her day-to-day routine? Well, essentially, she works on behalf of employees that she sees being pushed around either by the state or by some of the country's biggest corporations. And her involvements are all across the country. In the two days we spent together, she took me all over Israel to see her work in action. As you heard, we were at an LGBT pride parade in her hometown— But I also accompanied her on several meetings to places like the Center for Social Justice, which is a small nonprofit where she runs workshops for activists. And she was also helping to run a summer camp for mainly children of African refugees and foreign workers. (laughs) Then there's a project Avigail's deeply proud of, working with one of the most marginalized communities in Israel. Here we are at a university campus next to the Wadi Ara region. Marissa, tell me about this part of Israel. So Wadi Ara is made up of three Palestinian towns inside Israel. It has a high unemployment rate of around 13%. But those numbers jump dramatically for the female population there. We have a catastrophe in this area, uh, a serious, serious crisis in that Arab women have a very, very hard time in incorporating in the workers, uh, in the working market. We have 70% of unemployment among women in the Arab sector in Israel. Marissa, 70% is a very high number. Absolutely. But Abigail's addressing it. And one of the ways is by establishing a cooperative for Arab women cleaners. And Marissa, from what I understand, you met some of these women that Avigail has been working with. I did. I went to this university campus where a group of them actually work every day cleaning 
And they were sitting under this huge tree that was thick with leaves. And Abigail was there handing out popsicles just as they were preparing to go home. I had a chance to interview one of the women working with Abigail just as she was wrapping up for the day. She's saying her name and, and joking that she's 43 years old, which she thinks is old, and also where she lives. Before the cooperative, she told me she worked in a bakery and also in the kitchen of a hospital. I asked her why she joined the co-op. So she's saying that the cleaning contractors don't pay well. They don't pay wages. And the work is very hard. The materials are very bad for the health. And she's saying that in the cooperative, the cooperative pays them all of their rights and makes sure that they're feeling good at work and that they're getting everything that they need. And Marissa, this is the kind of work Abigail is doing on behalf of these women. Exactly. She told me it's all about economic dignity. The workers in these cleaning companies are some of the weakest in the Israeli labor market. Um, Usually get less than minimum wage, are never allowed to be sick, are not compensated for harm caused to them during work, uh, and mainly just remain within the poverty circle, even though... They work very hard, sometimes 16 hours a day, and still can't manage to provide for their children. And this is the social problem that we targeted to uh, address in the specific project of uh, the cleaning cooperative. And all of this requires working across many divides, linguistic, cultural, and class. And I think it's part of what Avigail learned when she went to Seeds of Peace camp. Marissa, it feels like the kind of work that you're describing would be very exhausting and also, you know, make it easy to sometimes feel pessimistic. Did you get a sense from Abigail that that this is also frustrating at times? Yes, I did. But I've never met anyone who lives and breathes their beliefs like Abigail. What really fuels her is community. Something about the isolated, individualistic way in which a lot of us live our lives creates a very deep helplessness in face of a lot of social challenges we're dealing with because people underestimate the power that they have. For Avigal, this idea of social justice is not something you leave at the door or just share in a tweet or Facebook post. She makes it her everything. And, you know, it's easy to it's easy to casually use the word everything when you talk about the passion a social activist might feel. But Avigal is one of the few people I've ever reported on where the work doesn't stop when she gets home. And I mean that literally. Shalom! Marissa, tell us what we're hearing here. Bilal, welcome to the urban kibbutz. <laughs> it doesn't look all that different to just a normal apartment building. I mean, we're on a leafy suburban Israeli street. It's quiet. People are just getting home from work. But it's when the elevator doors open on the top floor, you see something so unusual. This floor is entirely, uh, the four apartments in this floor are all belonging to our community. I'm looking at two apartment doors that are sitting wide open. 
Toys are strewn all over the floor, and at least 15 kids are running in between the two spaces. You mean between the two apartments where their two front doors open? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, it was chaos, but like a beautiful chaos. There were newborns. There were kids that looked five or six years old. There were parents, grandparents. But there were also people without children sitting and talking to each other. In some apartments, we have communes living, let's say, six or seven people together. Um, in some houses, we have families or individuals, depending on just the way people prefer. You know, Marissa, typically in my mind, kibbutzes were sort of farming and agrarian communities. You're describing what sounds like an apartment complex kibbutz. Right. This is an urban kibbutz. The kibbutzes you're thinking about started here at the turn of the 20th century. And yeah, a lot of them revolved around farming. They're not as popular as they used to be, but I think the thing to remember, particularly with Avigail, is that their heart, kibbutzes were societies that were all about equality and joint ownership. So everything that was made or earned was owned by everyone living there, which is basically what Avigail's community does too. We share all of our salaries, all of our money, all of our property. Avigail's community numbers around 400 people, and they live all over the country. Their name in Hebrew is Hashomer Hatzair, which means young guard. Many of the people who are in it are educators and social activists. And some joined the movement when they were in their teens. And then when they became adults, some decided to continue and move into these spaces. But the thing I was most impressed by is how much of their lives are guided by this idea of justice and equality. The political situation in Israel is the driving force behind all of my social work and all of our social work. In a place where legislation is great and rights are given and equality prevails, there is less need for social activists. So this is really the most literal manifestation of the idea of living your values. Exactly. Thank you, Marissa, for taking us on this journey with you. This is a really interesting story, and I'm assuming for you, having covered Israel so much in the past, this must have been uh, a new way of thinking about some of these social questions. It absolutely was. I mean, I loved looking at Israel through Avigail's eyes. I mean, she presented a completely different scenario of what life could be like there and how she's proactive in changing the injustices that she sees. And there's something extremely commendable about the way she's working. And I, I hope to hear more about her. I'm, in fact, I'm sure we're going to hear more about her. You've been listening to Episode 2 in the series Inspired, a six-part audio documentary series from Seeds of Peace. I'm Bilal Qureshi. And I'm Marissa Mazria-Katz. And this is Inspired. Inspired. 